0: Hi there, this is Watchin', and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for Black women on the corporate climb. This episode is brought to you by The Memo, the weekly I Choose the Ladder newsletter that goes out every Monday to help you with your career development needs during the week. In the newsletter, I share articles that I found helpful as a Black woman working in corporate America, career development resources, job opportunities, and upcoming I Choose the Ladder events. Everything that we do is released to the subscribers on the newsletter first. If the memo sounds like something you would like to receive, you can subscribe by texting CLIMB to 66866. Again, that's CLIMB to 66866. In this episode, we are going to be talking about something that makes... Everyone's super uncomfortable, but it's probably the most important skill that you need to learn in order to climb the corporate ladder successfully. And that is negotiations. Um, I love negotiations. I negotiate for a living. A large part of my job is sales. And so we negotiate all the time with I choose a ladder with partners and, and things like that. So I I've realized how important it is. Um, I've left a lot of money on the table at times. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at negotiations and I took a class I talk about my MBA all the time I feel like I'm going to be a student for the rest of my life but I'm not but I took a negotiations class and I remember uh, being in the class and just like railroading people during our negotiations it was very easy for me to pick up on when people felt you know not confident or unprepared and like I was able to exploit that and by the time I was done with the class I think I became a much more um thoughtful negotiator I actually won the Dalai Lama award in my in the class because I, I felt like I could stop focusing on winning so much and start focusing on what ultimately the a good negotiation is which is when both of the parties or all the parties who are negotiating walk away from walk away from the negotiation feeling like they won and not that that they got railroad or steamrolled into a decision um So that's what I'm going to dedicate this entire podcast to. Uh, First, starting with what exactly is a negotiation? Uh, If you look on dictionary.com, a negotiation is simply a discussion aimed at reaching an agreement that like at the simplest form, the simplest, like the simplest thought process. That is what a negotiation is. You're talking to someone about reaching an agreement on something that something can vary. Right. But that is at the core of what a negotiation is. And most people fall into one of five negotiation, uh, I guess, characteristics. And this doesn't mean that this is how you are in life. It means that when the pressure of a negotiation happens, this is what you default to. So you're either competing in negotiations, you're accommodating in negotiations, you're avoiding in negotiations, you're compromising in negotiations, or you're collaborative in negotiations. Now, if you don't know where you fall or which one of those you default to in a negotiation situation, go to the website, IChooseALadder.com, click on the quiz button and take the quiz to find out what your negotiation style is. It's really important for you to understand that so that in your preparation, you know what things, what triggers you need to be preparing for so that you don't become um, a victim to your emotions during the negotiations. Um, Typically, in negotiations, there are five stages, right? So there's a preparation and planning stage. There's a definition of what the rules are of the negotiation. Stage three is clarification and justification. uh, Phase four is the bargaining and problem solving. And then the fifth phase would be the closure and the implementation. For the purposes of this um, podcast, we're going to focus specifically on phase one, which is that preparation and planning stage of negotiations, because I think that That is the foundation that all the other stages are built on. Um, And if that foundation is shaky, you are going to get taken advantage of in your negotiations, period, right? If you have not done your due diligence, and I know it seems like a lot of work, but if you think about what you're trying to negotiate or what you're trying to get from it, the work is warranted. Um, Some common places that we negotiate. So we negotiate around jobs, so whether that's salary, benefits, uh, promotions, raises. So in the career sphere, that we negotiate a ton there. We negotiate when it comes to housing, so like buying a house or or rental agreements or rent raises and things like that. And then also in business, right? If you have contracts and things like that that you're negotiating, those are the common things that we think about when we um, when we think about negotiations. Um, we're going to focus on the salary, benefits, jobs part of this because obviously this is I choose a ladder, and we focus on things that you can do to help you more effectively and efficiently climb the corporate ladder. So we're going to talk about the preparation and planning as it pertains to job-related things, so salary benefits, promotions, and raises. Um, if we're being honest, there's a ton of anxiety, fear, um, discomfort when it uh, comes to negotiations, And the question that we always ask ourselves is, why is that the case? Why is there so much anxiety? Why do you feel such tension and stress when you know that you have to go into a negotiation situation? And the first part of that, I think, comes down to fear, right? We have a fear of losing out on something that we really want. So, for example, you're in a job that you feel like is a dead-end job. You had now this opportunity to move jobs or move positions and work at some place that you feel like is more beneficial to you, is going to offer you more more perks. And so you don't want to rock the boat. So you don't want to ask for too much. You don't want to be seen as greedy. Um, You don't want to like you don't want to say anything that's going to make the person say, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't want you anymore. Um, So that's the first fear thing. The second fear thing is. You are afraid of what the person you're negotiating with is going to think about you, right? Like, oh, I don't want them to think I'm difficult or I don't want them to think that I'm being greedy or I don't want them to think that I'm not grateful for the opportunity. Until so the fear around what we think the other person is going to think a lot of times paralyzes us and stops us from being able to, to advocate for and clearly articulate what it is that we feel like we deserve. Um And then I think the last part, the last thing that gives us the anxiety is because we don't know our own worth in negotiation situations, and we don't have confidence in what it is that we bring to the table. We haven't adequately given the value to the thing that we're bringing, and we often look at negotiations as a reflection of our self-worth. And so if we don't get what it is that we're asking for, it must mean something about who I am as a person, not about the negotiation situation. And so I think those three things make it really hard for people to wrap their mind around what the process of negotiation is and what they're trying to get out of the negotiation. And my hope is that through this episode, you will have the tools and the resources to adequately prepare and understand what it is that you bring to the table so that when you are in those negotiation situations, it becomes less about emotion and more about um about the data and the facts and what you bring to the table and the value that you add. We say this all the time, obviously this is not a statement that I created, but feelings are not facts, right? And so you don't wanna go into your negotiations with a whole lot of feeling and not a lot of facts. The only way to hold people accountable and get results is having data. And so we're gonna use this as a way to help you leave your negotiations at the door. And if not at the, I'm sorry, leave your feelings at the door And if not your feelings at the door, maybe you leave your feelings, you know, under the table. So it's not, it's not dominating how you proceed in your negotiations. So when do we negotiate? I think most times when we think about negotiations, we think about salary. But if you, if you actually spend some time thinking about it, we negotiate all the time, right? The reason that most of us think about salary first is because the stakes seem to be higher. And like I mentioned, we tie up. A, sense, a part of our self-worth to the amount of money we make the title that we have so job and salary negotiations are something that are really really personal to people but one of the examples that i like to give is if you interact with kids you know that everything with them is a negotiation right so thinking about um a conversation that my sister and my niece had yesterday around dinner time right so my sister made an offer to my niece ayana and she was like hey ayana Here's what's for dinner, and like she named the Liberian food that was was the dinner that they had prepared. So that was her offer. And my niece Ayana was like, Oh, I don't want that. Do you have anything else? So that was her counter, right? She said, my, my sister said, Hey, there's greens and rice for dinner. Yanni said, I don't want that. What is is there anything else? Um, so my sister counters with you, oh, you must not be hungry, right? Like the 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 back and forth of it all. Um, and my niece says, I am hungry. I just don't want to eat that. Right. And so then, um, she makes a, a suggestion, says, I don't want to eat that, but can I have pizza? Right. That is another counter offer. Um, and then the negotiation dance begins and they went, they go back and forth. And this conversation lasts about like a good five minutes of, um, I don't want this. I don't want that. Can we do this? Can we do that? And then towards the end of it, I won't tell you how the negotiation ended up, but it could have ended up at two places. Right. One could have been my sister telling Yanni, you must not be hungry if you don't eat that you're going to bed hungry, right? And in my um, opinion, that is a failed negotiation because neither of them got what they wanted. My sister did not get my niece to eat. Um, My niece didn't get to eat and she went to bed hungry. So both of them walked away having failed at what they were trying to accomplish. Yanni wanted something else. My sister wanted her to eat the specific thing. They both said, forget about it. I'll just be hungry and go to bed. Or... There can be um, a negotiation that ends where it's success, where Ayana ends up eating the dinner that her mom made, but then gets ice cream for dessert so that she gets a sweet treat that she wants, but she also gets to eat her food. And my sister doesn't have to buy something new or cook something else specifically for this child who does not want to eat the greens and rice. But if you think about it in your life, like we're always negotiating, if you are, you know, people who like going in the flea markets and all of those things or traveling for points or, or trying to get your bill lowered on your cell phone. There's always a negotiation that's happening. Um, and it's okay, right? Like it's a part of life people expect to negotiate. Um, but one of the things that we have to think about, um, as it pertains to our careers is why being an effective negotiator matters, right? So Why is it important that you don't get to the place in your negotiation where your child is going to bed hungry and you like nobody's eating, everybody's mad and like it's a failed negotiation? Um, What we have to think about is that we're not negotiating just for right now. Um, We are negotiating for long term satisfaction. And what I mean by that is the raises and the salaries that you negotiate right now are the base for what is going to be built on if you stay in a specific company. The perks that you negotiate in the beginning are going to determine how um, your level of satisfaction if you're with this company for a year, two years, three years, five years. Um, all of that long-term benefit is riding on your your ability to effectively get those things or as close to those things as possible in the initial Negotiations, Because although you can go back and renegotiate contracts, it is a lot harder to do that once you've already been working for the company and there's already been a baseline set. Um, so make sure that you're thinking about your current negotiations as the foundation that you're going to build your career house on, not as the thing that you want to get right now that has like the greatest impact right now. Um, so what are some things that you can negotiate? I want you to turn the like hit pause on the podcast right now and make a list. like spend like two minutes making a list of the the things that you feel like you can negotiate. No, I'm serious. Pause the podcast and, and make this list. All right, so now you're back. Compare your list to the things that I'm going to list that I think that you can negotiate or that I've seen that you can negotiate. So you can negotiate your base salary, your commissions, a signing bonus, vacation time, personal days, um, the amount of time that it takes for your stocks to invest, to, I'm sorry, to vest if you have stock options that are offered, um, cost of living adjustments if you are moving, um, your company bonus and what that percentage is for you, um, your start date for your job, uh, how much time you get to work remotely versus in the office, how much vacation time you have, the responsibilities of your job, health benefits, retirement benefits, relocation, temporary housing. If you're getting stock options, equity in a company, tuition reimbursement, personal development allowances. I'm sorry, professional development allow- uh, allowances. Although maybe you could negotiate some personal development, too, um, especially if you are a manager and you need to um, get some some expertise under your belt that you didn't get in in your other jobs that you feel are important but professional development allowances for sure is there a technology allowance is there home office equipment that you can negotiate if you're working from home is there a travel expense or or the kinds of um, travel that you make like do you fly business do you fly first is there like what is that um, what does that look like now looking at the stuff that I quickly came over I came up with how does your list stack up into stack up to what I Mention that you can negotiate? Were there things on my list that you're like, oh, I never thought about that? If that's the case, add them to your list so that you know um, what it is that is out there that's possible to negotiate. But also understand that the things that you can negotiate are largely going to depend on the level of the position that you're at. Right. So there are things that you're going to be able to negotiate when you are uh, going after a C-suite position that as a middle manager, you're not like the company's not going to have flexibility around. And it's important to know what those things are. Um, so now that you have a, that long list, pick out the top five things from those lists. From that list that is the most important to you yes even if you have a list of 20 you're only picking five five so pause the podcast list your top five top five top five all right so now that you're back now that you have your top five I want you to order them in terms of what is the most important so if salary relocation technology is on there of those three like one two three what is the hierarchy of them if salary is number one put one next to it if you know relocation is two do it and do that for your top five. Um, so now that you've done that, this matters because in your negotiations, you're going to have to make concessions at some point. And so the things that are five are the easiest to concede on because it's not the most important to you. Um, And it's important to be prepared to make concessions because negotiations are a two-way conversation, right? Remember at the beginning we said it's a discussion, it's not a monologue and it should not be a monologue. Um, And you don't want the company or the person who's negotiating on behalf of the company to feel like they're the only ones that's giving and you're not meeting them halfway. Um, So have your top five, have them in order of priority, knowing that if you have to concede, number five is going to be the first thing to go. Okay. Okay. So now that you have your list, let's actually get prepared. I know you're like, oh, no, I thought I was prepared. But nope, we're going to talk about what it takes to get prepared for your negotiations. So the first thing is doing some research. Examine the market. What does your position pay in your market? Right. So a job in New York is not going to be paid the same as a job in Chicago. The cost of living is, is um, higher. And there are just other factors that go into um Getting that salary or that benefits package or offer together that market to market, it varies. So look specifically at what that is, the position that you're going after or the like the the thing that you're trying to negotiate. What does that look like in your market? The second thing that you should be very clear on is how you, how do your specific skills and your experiences stack up to the average person who could put, who could also be in the running for that job? Do you have more relevant education that should allow you to to command whether it's a higher salary or a more advantageous benefit packet? Right, and relevant is the key word in that. Relevant is what matters. So, for example, if you have a PhD but that degree doesn't help you do the job any better than not having it, the company's not going to put a premium on the degree. They don't care about your PhD because your PhD is not going to help them in um, to achieve their company goals. But on the flip side of that, if you're applying for a sales job and you have sales certifications or you've gone through sales development programs, you could use those to justify getting more money, getting a, a better benefits package because there is a way for you to clearly articulate how having those things puts you in a better position to help the company meet their objectives right for everything that's on your list in that top five you need to write out how you plan to justify or support making that ask so if you're saying you want a cost of living um adjustment because you're moving to a more expensive market write out why right like why did why does the company care about um about the the cost of living adjustment. If you cannot clearly articulate this to yourself right now, you're going to have a really hard time when you're under the stress of a negotiation or the pressure of a negotiation situation to articulate it effectively in a way that's going to get you what you want. So practice that now when you are not negotiating. Right? Justify in words, and then practice how you're going to justify what it is that you're asking for. Everything on your top five needs a justification. Every single thing. If you cannot justify it in a non-emotional way, like, I feel like I need more money, it needs to come off the list. Period, point blank, no discussion. Um, if, and here's a, a pro tip. If you can't, if you can, tie in a justification that has a benefit for the company, Right? It's easier to get buy-in if what you're asking for helps the company achieve some kind of a business objective faster, more effectively, things like that. So for example, you can say, I know my, my salary requirement is higher than the original offer, but I bring blank and then fill in the blank um, to the company, which will add blank. So whatever the value um, that it's going to add to the company or the role. So for example, does what you bring to the table allow you to better manage your direct reports and get new employees up to speed faster? That matters. Um, does it bring relationships to the company that can immediately turn into some revenue? That matters. What you've listed in, in that top five list for most preparation for negotiations, that's going to be looked at as like your positions or your interests. Like what, is, what are your interests? What do you? What is most important to you? That's your top five. Once you've done all that work, Go back and do the same for the company, right? Whoever it is that you're negotiating against. What do you think their top five interests are? And how do you think they're justifying having those interests? Put that down on paper. And then if you want to do some reflection, how do your interests and your and the company's interests overlap? Or how do your interests help the company fulfill on their interests and their priorities? Do that work. That's the first part, your interest. Next up... You want to figure out what your BATNA is. And BATNA in negotiation refers to your best alternative to a negotiation agreement. So if you can't reach a deal, what are your options, right? Like basically that's that's your BATNA. Um, A lot of times people's, like someone's BATNA may be their current job, right? So you're going for this negotiation, but if it doesn't work out, you can just keep your position and that's that. Or um, a BATNA can also be a job offer from somewhere else. Um, so you go, you've interviewed and you can use that that offer to negotiate um, maybe a higher position or higher title or more money from your current uh, your current employer. Um, so that is what you need to be clear on. What's your batna? And note that the better your batna is, the more confident you're going to feel in your negotiations, right? You want the best batna possible. And then once you've done that for yourself, right? you know what your batna is, do the same for the company. So if the company doesn't hire you, what is their BATNA, right? If you don't accept that offer, once they place an offer out to you, what is their BATNA? Be clear on that. Um, So here's another pro tip. If you can quickly find the place where you feel good about taking the offer and where the company feels good about giving you an offer, that is the sweet spot, right? Like that is where, that is the zone of possible agreement is what it's called in, in negotiation. That is the zone that you want to be focused on, right? What, where, what I want, and where what the company wants overlaps, and we'll feel good about making uh, a deal within this this range. Okay, so we got that. So you have your uh, you have your interest and positions. You have your batna and your zopa, right? Your your those things are set. You have that for you, and you have that for the company the next thing that you have to to decide and it's important that you do this before the negotiations is deciding on what your walk away point is In negotiations this is sometimes referred to as your your reservation price and I can't say this enough I know I just said it but it's really important that you do this before you start the negotiations and you get really emotional you get this offer you're really excited and blah 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 all those things um you need to decide your reservation price before you start conversations. Um, So what I would recommend is like you go back to your top five interests and you decide what is the reservation price for each of those areas, right? So if you decided, for example, one of your top five interests or positions is your ability to work from home, and ideally you want five days, but you know that the minimum, like if they can't give me three days, to work from home I can't take the job it's not the job for me that is your reservation price and when you go into negotiations and they say the best that we can do is two days a week and uh, working from home was your number one priority you might have to walk away from this position because it does not meet one of your most important if not your most important um interest and they've come in below what your reservation price is um And I know that it's hard for us to walk away from offers or to stay firm to our reservation prices because we have not put ourselves in a position to be able to walk away from the table. We either don't trust that we're going to get what we want or we don't think that we're worth what we're asking for. So we settle on things that are really important to us. And then what happens is six months later, you are miserable right and you're back to looking for a new job because you didn't stick to what it is that you knew you deserved and was important to you and my hope is that after this we start breaking that cycle of taking something because we're really excited we're three months in we're six months in we're like oh this sucks I'm miserable and now you're back to looking for a new job again or you're feeling complacent or you're feeling stuff let's not do that okay So the next part, you already know, once you have what your reservation price is, you want to come up with what you think the reservation price is for the company or the person that you're negotiating with. What do you think, based on research, not just based on your feelings, could cause the company to walk away from the conversations with you about the opportunity. So do the thing, here's what would make me walk away, here is what I think would make the company walk away. So once you have your reservation price and the company's reservation price, next is you write down your targets for your top five, right? Like what is the goal for each of those things in terms of what it is that you're hoping to get? So for the first part of it, it's what would be killing it beyond your wildest dreams? Like this is like, this is great. This is better than, you know, what I could have imagined. This is the Lord is up here showing up and showing out. Like if this is what they give me in this area, right? Next what is your good, right? What is an offer that you could get that you would be really happy with and feel like you are being appreciated for what it is that you bring to the table, right? So you have your, I'm killing it number you have, or package, number or package. You have your, I right, this is good number or package. And then the last target is what I like to call your cost of consideration, right? So this is what the person would be would have to be willing to offer for you to even consider taking the opportunity right so once you've done that where you have your great i'm killing it you're good and your cost of consideration targets for your top five do the same for the company right like what do you think their targets are what what is their great if i can get the person at this price or package i would feel like i you know i'm killing it for my company if i feel like um what is the package I could offer that would make me feel good about it? And then what is the package or salary that I could offer where like for me to even consider this candidate, it has to be at this level. If not, I'm done. Right. It's really important that you do these steps for both you and the party that you're going to be negotiating with. Um, this is going to help you prepare for what may come up in negotiation. So you don't feel caught off guard and you already have the language To talk through those things. Um, This having doing having done this work is also going to be really helpful in your interviews because it's going to allow you to ask discovery questions that give you a sense of their position for their interest. And it can also help you figure out what that Zopa is. Before you get the offer, right? And it also helps you put together the packages that you feel like are the most likely to be beneficial for both of you for when you have to counter um, when the negotiations start. Um, you will know what the range is because you've asked the right discovery questions. You're not asking questions in interviews that, you know, really don't serve a purpose. Your interviews, We always say you're interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you um and so that will help you doing that work will help you figure out what your range is so for example if the um if in your interview this means asking for a hiring timeline so you ask you know what is your timeline for getting someone in this position if they say they want someone who can start in two weeks but you know that you want to start in a month you can think through where that where that zone is and maybe you negotiate that it's you start in three weeks, right? So you get some you give up something, they give up something, but you know, you don't have to go from job to job. You can still give your job a two-week notice. You still have a week to like decompress, get all of that out of your mind and get mentally prepared for starting your new job. So ask the right questions. Um, ideally in negotiations, you're gonna want to be the first person to make an offer, but we know that with job stuff, usually the offer comes from the company first. And then you counter. So while I would say spend a lot of time thinking about your counter, I would also argue, though, that candidates do make the first offer. When a recruiter or a hiring manager asks you what your salary expectations are, right, that is the first offer. And you want your first offer to be um, in the reasonable range, right, because you've done uh, you've done your research. You don't want to price yourself outside of the range unless you have a really good justification for why. why your, uh, your salary should be above what the range of uh, accepted investment from the company is, um, you can use sites like Glassdoor.com, Salary.com, SalaryExpert.com, Jobstar.org, and WebWage to see what the, the salary ranges are. Um, but think about when you the recruiter or the hiring manager asks you what you want your like your salary to be or when they ask expectations around benefits and all that that is the first offer make sure that it is at your great or maybe in a little bit above your great because you are going to negotiate it's going to come down and ideally you want to end up at your great or your good um, and so that is your first offer Okay. So now that you've done the work, let's talk a little bit about language, because I think this is where most people get tripped up, right? They don't have the language to ask for the things that they want. And so they leave with a lot of feelings of they feel that they should. And quite frankly, we all feel that we should get certain things. Um, and so let's, I'm going to give you a couple of phrases that I, um, I tend to use when I'm in negotiations, especially when it comes around jobs and salary stuff. So instead of saying something like, I feel like you should pay me more, you could say something to the fact of, based on what I understand the responsibilities of the position to be, I understand that a competitive salary for this job would be, and then you give the number that you want, right? It's because now they know that you've done some research. You're not saying this based on, um, you know, what you feel it's, This is what the market demands. Um, Or you can say something like, um, so you say, I'm sorry, I'm thinking through this. So you say something like, based on what I understand the responsibility of the position to be, I understand a a competitive salary to be X. What flexibility is there around this offer? right?" Then you have a question. And they will tell you if there's flexibility and all that stuff, but you can ask a question. If you get an offer that is significantly less than what you expect and you have a BATNA that you can reference, um, Holly Shiroff, I hope I'm pronouncing her her last name properly, but I'm probably pushing it. Holly, I'm so sorry. Um, So she teaches negotiations at the Haas School of Business and she recommends something like saying, I'm very interested in working for your company since it seems like it would mutually be a good fit. However, I'm having a difficult time reconciling the $10,000 difference between your offer and the offer that I have, right? So then you ask a question at the end of that. Um, A version of this can also be used if you're negotiating a higher salary for your current job or when you're like... If it's for uh, like a promotion, right, and you feel like the, what you're being offered is outside of the range, you can say you're having a hard time reconciling the increased job requirements or the, the increased responsibilities that you're getting with what the pay bump is, the proposed pay bump is, right? So can you help, like, is there flexibility? Is there wiggle room? Can we talk through what a plan of an increased salary to get me to what market rate would be to have this position in this title? right as a general rule i would say like your counter should not lead with feeling statements they should incorporate facts based on the research that you've done in terms of expectations because i know people are always like well what should i expect in terms of you know the money you should be expecting um anywhere between two to ten thousand dollars more than the initial offer that is made to you um so that like sometimes I guess like there are situations where you get an offer and they're able to come up with like a, a fifteen or twenty thousand dollar um, uh, increase that those opportunities are rare and those situations are rare and again it's based on the level that you're at but anywhere between two and ten thousand dollars is completely reasonable um, and then I'll leave you guys with a, a few last notes um, on negotiations so, You've prepared. You've done all those things. You have your interest and positions for you and the company that you are um, that you are looking to work with or to accept a position from. You have your batna and your zopa for both you and the company. You have your reservation price for both you and your company, and then you have your target for both you and the company. Um, so once you have that, think about this. It's perfectly okay to ask where the salary you're being offered fall falls on the company um salary range right like they will tell you and if they don't feel comfortable telling you that may be a potential red flag but you can say something like is this salary on the high end low end or midpoint of your company's salary structure and they'll let you know right and if you feel like it's on the low end but you should be in the mid end have a reason why and be able to justify that based on experience based on expertise based on skill set um, this, whenever I see the stat, it always like, it makes me, it makes my skin itch. But so men typically have six back and forth conversations before they accept an offer. I think I read women do two to three. Um, uh, and I think it's because we don't want to seem difficult. Um, we don't want, um, to seem like we are ungrateful. And I think with the gratitude thing, it's like companies are equally as they should be equally as happy to have you in your skill sets at the table as you are to have the job so it should be a mutual sense of gratitude like nobody's doing anybody any favors right like you earn your job you earn your position it's not a handout or it's not like charity work and so the gratitude thing it should be mutual mutual if you went to the career intensive the executive coach said your companies should feel like they need to earn the right to keep you and your talents in-house so this gratitude yes it's great but it's a mutual gratitude not just a one-way gratitude um women don't want to see to seem difficult and so we end up leaving a lot on the table and i want you to i want you to stop doing that ain't nobody got time for that um Remember, you're not just negotiating for right now. You're negotiating to, to set a solid foundation for your, long, your long-term your long career options. So don't rush the negotiations. Negotiations are supposed to take time and take all the time that you need to think through, find the words, and advocate for what it is that you want. It's okay to ask for time to review an offer that's given to you. Like You don't have to accept it right away, even if that offer is a bomb offer. You still want to take time to think through um, what the implications of accepting the offer are for you. So you can ask for 48 hours to review an an offer before you give them an answer and most most companies will accommodate that. Um, Another thing is don't be so quick to make concessions. I know like we'll, uh, in a negotiation they say silence is king. So you'll be sitting across the table from someone and they'll make an offer. And then there's silence. Right. And typically, whoever is silent the longest wins. Right. But we get so uncomfortable with silence with the silence that we're like, OK, but I can give you this or I can give this or I can give that. Like, chill out. It's silence. Get get comfortable with silence. And I think meditation can help with this. Right. Because it's quieting your mind and just being silent for an extended period of time. But don't be so quick to make concessions yes you will have to concede at some point but if you're making all these concessions in the beginning without the company giving anything you're not going to feel good about the negotiation you're not it's not going to happen and so don't be so quick to make concessions um this part of it um i talked about it in the beginning of my negotiations class but good negotiation good negotiators can tell the emotions that the other person is feeling right so if you aren't confident if you are desperate for the position if you are unprepared a seasoned negotiator is going to be able to pick up on that really quickly and they could exploit that to their advantage so the more prepared you are the more that you have your emotions under control the more likely you are to get what it is that you want in the negotiations so Prepare, prepare, prepare. And you want to be that seasoned negotiator that who can tell if the person that you're negotiating against is you know feeling pressure to fill the role, if they are not confident in what they're saying, if blah, 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 right? So get your emotions under control. Practice, practice, practice. Um, to my next point, you want to practice your negotiation with someone who is neutral and can actually give you feedback that is helpful right you don't want it to be your mom unless your mom is a negotiator right like people like oh honey that was great no you want people to know exactly what they're look what they're looking for when they're negotiating with you do you come across as confident do you come across as knowledgeable do you seem prepared so find someone the first time that you're negotiating a position should not be in the actual position like in the actual negotiation you should have practiced a couple of times with someone else gotten some feedback Revise your negotiation techniques, thought through your targets, thought through your interests and positions before the final negotiation. Um, With your top five, um, it may be helpful if you're comfortable putting together maybe three versions of that package that could look good to you and that you would feel good about. walking away with or getting when you when you are finally done with the negotiations, um, that would feel good to you. Right. So, if it, you know, you have the five things. It's like if I get this and this um, in this way, maybe the salary is this. But then I get more vacation time and I get about like put put different combinations, three different combinations of that top five package together and then have the goal be to end up at one of those three. Um, and then the last thing that I will say about negotiations is the best negotiations is when both parties walk away from the negotiation feeling like they won like the employer feels like I have I got a great candidate who's going to come in and add value and like contribute to the bottom line and you walk away feeling like you know I ended up with a great salary that I'm comfortable with that's going to provide for me and my family I'm going to be doing work that I like in a way that feels good in an environment that feels good right you want to both be able to walk away uh, and not one person walking away feeling like damn I got the short end of the stick. Right? Because it's going to be a long-term relationship and the more now that doesn't mean you need to be super nice and give everything right because um niceness and uh, effectiveness aren't necessarily one and the same you want to be a fair negotiator you want to be someone who is thoughtful in your negotiations but you it, but you understand like it is a negotiation right it's not um two girlfriends kicking it it's not like a picnic in the park it's it's a negotiation right and both people have a vested interest and have something that they need to walk away with, right? So the person who's hiring you or negotiating with you has certain ranges that they need to stay in for their jobs in order to, to, to keep their p a certain way. So everybody has something that they want from the negotiation. But if you can be someone who is flexible enough so that you can both feel like you walked away um, want, uh, having won something from negotiation, you will be a lot more effective and a lot better. That's all I have. Um, so as always, if you want to keep the conversation going, you can subscribe to the newsletter, text CLIMB C L I M B to six six eight six six. Follow us on Instagram at IChooseTheLadder the Ladder or at Facebook at I Choose the Ladder Podcast. And until next time, thank you for listening.